answered on that one too. Everybody, welcome to Way to Farm. Josh is too busy here writing notes down like he's been all day. Well, we just we we had a we had a mic problem and we had to re-record this. Right. It's a long series of events, and I've got my my episode notes that I wrote down and some questions. And anyway, we'll get to them. I know Jackson asked about drought tolerance or how to oh, yeah, how right. to drought uh, hardy or drought proof as much as you can. Um, drought, drought proof, uh, whatever you're growing. Uh, Dion, dude, I don't remember what your question was. Preston, hang on, let me all think of it. Preston, his was, uh, I think it was CEC and nitrogen. I remember it was CEC and nitrogen. And Dion, gosh, he had a good one, man. Let me look back. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to the podcast, guys. We've got uh, we got some awesome stuff coming up. We're going to talk about singular agronomics. We're going to talk about uh, Brad Forkner. And we're going to talk right. a little bit about humic and ovic and yeah. Whatever else you can Whatever else. With. Ben, uh, singular. Oh, Go man. Okay. So a group of us growers. What? It's, I mean, it's just it's farmers helping farmers. Right, right. So singular, um, I'm the founder of singular. It's a idea I've been working on for years, and Josh has been involved in this since dang near the get-go um me and another partner had uh went ahead and made the plunge and going ahead and starting this thing up and what it is is basically a wholesale direct farm direct company that uh, we're moving really the products we use the sources that we found and uh, we get them at a really really good deal and we pass almost all the savings to the grower so um, the margin we found in all these other companies is just ridiculous, not to hound on them too hard, but it's ridiculously high. So we've just taken this source, basically formed up these buying groups or wholesale direct model and uh, really have brought it forward. Today we did some um, meetings on it. We got a bunch of them this week, all week long with me and Brad. And uh, it's uh, really going well. Everybody loves it, loves the idea. It's nice and clean. It's very easy to understand, so it's excited it's about economical it. for the farm, right? It's We're just not dumping lots of money out. It's it's spreading our risk out, and really giving trying to give the, it not trying. It's giving the power back to the farmer to make decisions, and making these special end products affordable that we can actually trial this stuff and and not break the bank doing it. So I mean, the whole thing started with the Humate line meeting Brad. And, um, uh, we went through what he wanted me to run now, basically under the old pricing models using Helena or one of these other companies that offer dry product, I couldn't even do it. It was ridiculously high. We're talking over $300 an acre. Jeez. And then I meet Brad and he's, or not 300, I think he's like 200, but meeting Brad and he's like, Oh, we got these sources and stuff. And we start talking and we come up with this idea and, um, it's something he's already been implementing a little bit, um, you know, how to grow this took us some time to put our our heads together and come up with this. But we can now get these products and actually be able to apply them and make a difference because we can afford the volumes we need to use and doing the same product that would, our same um, application that would have cost us over 200. Now we're looking at like 35, 36, seven bucks an acre to do the same thing. Um, 
So huge savings, but that's that's basically the ideas that drew Singular together. We had several other attempts to try to do something, but it's it's finally been worked out. The bugs are worked out, and here we are, and uh, pushing it along. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been uh, it's been great so far. I mean, I've got we're all running the we're all running the program. That's I don't know if it's programs the right word, but we're running products in our farms. Uh, I'm running, you know, humic, fulvic, heavy. Joe is too. You yep. have been for quite some time. Yep, I've been in it for about ten years. Yeah, I'm on year three, so really seeing a lot of of profit increase and input cost decrease, and really reallocating those dollars so that instead of just raising corn, we're building soil, we're improving soil biology. And we are making things better than what we left it. Right. And then we're bringing the educational components with it, with this podcast and, you know, having Brad on board doing grower meetings, um, which, you know, right now we can do quite a few, but as things get bigger, we're going to have a little more consolidation probably, but, uh, being able to teach guys and go through that. And I mean, we see a lot of that today, even sitting here with Brad, I'm sitting there just drooling on the floor. My jaw's on the floor, sitting there like, zombie hay yeah yeah some incredible technology some incredible innovation is what it is and uh you know kind of looking forward to what are we going to go next week yes so next week we're going to release some new episodes with brad on um incredible stuff you're gonna sit there you're gonna listen to those episodes if ben is if ben is just sitting there like starstruck it's some serious stuff because I have not, I, I don't, today might be the first time I've ever seen you just like sit there like with a dang look on your face. Right. It was, it was tremendous. I, I like to ride around with that guy and listen to him. And I've heard him speak a lot. I've done some shows with him. I've done, um, you know, grower meetings, sitting in grower meetings. Today was the first time I've actually um, presented with him side by side. Definitely learning process to kind of follow where he's going with things, which you'll find out next week. But um, it's it's an incredible amount of knowledge. And he's my mentor. He's he's somebody I learned a vast majority of what I know today. Um, I have some others that I've learned from, but he is by far my most um, you know respected, idolized guy that I have really become you know a permanent student to him. Just continuously in awe. About time you think you're catching him, then he drops some new wild card and a whole new album yeah, of yeah, and then you're like, oh, things. forget it. Yeah, but it's it's an incredible journey with him. Yeah, great resource. And um, the guy works in so much. Yeah, <coughs> working I mean, in tomatoes, livestock, avocados, corn, right? Li- pigs, chicken, turkeys, cattle, deer, um, soybeans, sugar beets, to people, to ma- people. Yeah. And the thing is, is in, you'll hear him, if you ever hear him speak outside of us or at other events, he'll kind of go on these talks about, you know, produce, tomatoes, citrus, things like that. And there's the reason that he does this is because this is where the technology really develops in the early stages because them guys are spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 an acre versus us. We're crapping our pants at a hundred. So he'll kind of go on this and there's a reason he does. And it's because he's basically showing you how they've come to these conclusions and found a way to implement it into the Midwest 
Midwest into the row crop situations. So, or deer plots, or deer plots, anything livestock. soil related, anything yeah. soil related, any and I mean four legged animal uh, ruminants, non ruminants, right, and improving better plant uptake of nutrition, better plant uptake is is browsed off, better, more digestible by the animals, healthier animals. Um, if it's cattle, it's beef gains, cows, milk lactation for calves. If it's deer, it's antler growth. If it's, you know, does, it's fawn development. Right. Things of that nature. Well, the whole ecosystem, the whole, you know, planet, if you will, everything mimics one another. And so if you're an evolutionist or a creationist beyond the point, the idea is basically that biology runs everything. And so it does. You take amino acid, just amino acid out of life. Yeah, it isn't there. And so, you know, biology is essentially communicating with your brain, your, your hunger cravings. When you crave something that is actually a biological signal to your nervous system to tell you to eat that. It's not you per se, it's your gut. So the healthier your gut, the healthier you eat, you'll eat naturally. Mm-hmm. And so cattle are the same way, deer are the same way. A plant doesn't really have a nervous system, does not have a nervous system, but it communicates via chemically, you know, things like that. So these biologicals are completely in control of the situation. Down to even disease, you know, kind of go off on a tangent a little bit. Disease notification that there's disease coming through a soil profile or whatever the first line of defense for a plant system is a biological realm in the rhizosphere notifying the plant that there is a pathogen on its way in and this is how you fight it and that's essentially how humans work the same way within the gut biome Um, you're communicating with your gut biome it is only one cell membrane thick that keeps you alive between your bad bacteria in your gut and your healthy system so it is ridiculous how in control they really are. Do you think this is, this is like way out there. Do you think that favor pref, flavor preferences, what do you think causes flavor preferences? Like, like say I like a blueberry milkshake and you like strawberry and you don't like blueberry and I don't like strawberry. Hmm. You know, I don't know. We have to, we'll have to ask Brad. Yeah. That's a Brad question. It is. Guys, we'll be back with that question. Uh, it'll be a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, one thing I love what Brad, I love what Brad said. You can't spend major time with minor people. Right. I mean, there's, we're talking, you know, we're talking about things. There's people, people in the fertilizer industry, you know, big corporate, they're going to hate our guts. That's fine. Don't really care. Uh, there's people that I, I, we're trying to, I mean, really, it's what benefits farmer. At the end of the day, Ben's paycheck, my paycheck is determined off of what is put into our combine, dumped on a semi and taken to an elevator. Uh, minus or, what we put in. The minus crop. what we put in. That's, that's yes, great point. You can take all the bushels in the world, the elevator. If it costs you every one of those bushels to make it, I'm, so you made everybody else rich. Yeah. You didn't make nothing and everyone got rich off you. I mean, whether your gain, your, your, your paycheck comes at the sale barn, whether it comes, uh, 
it may not even be paycheck. Maybe, maybe it's outdoor enjoyment, seeing, you know, being outdoors and seeing the wildlife, you know, a, a 180 inch deer or 130 inch deer coming to your food plot. You see, you know, you see good genetics, you see health of animals, things of that nature. We're going to go over in one of the podcasts with Brad, we're going to go over a whole episode of animal health based off of things that we can do to improve soil health, which improves plant health. And it's, it's just this chain. It is. So your gut health is relation to the nutrient uptake. And then the nutrient uptake is basically adjusted by the quality of that nutrient. So, you know, uh, I read a study once that's it's a medical study that basically in 1912, they took wheat and analyzed it down nutrient content. And then they did it again in 2012. So a hundred year span and the, uh, nutrient density was reduced by 75%. And a lot of that is due to poor health, soil health. So when you start looking into us and livestock, we are consuming large amounts of starch and sugar to compensate, to get the volume to get the minerals and all the, the, you know, the goods that we need out of it to Low survive. quality food. Yeah. So obesity is fed by the fact that the quality of food is so bad that we are consuming large amounts due to our cravings because we can't get the, you know, minerals and things that we need. Mm. That's why supplementation is becoming such a big thing is trying to fill that hole. But in the livestock industry, you know, we can do things from the farm level to implement a better feed source not going to be instant fix, but can start going in the right direction. Sure. I mean, if you can spend $2 an acre to boost a nutrient level that you were paying substantially more to dump in a feed ration. Right. You and know, if you can feed it through the plant, that's a whole lot more efficient in regards to animal intake than another supplement you have to buy. Right. And, and most likely a much higher, because they're got to make money. They have, you know, it's probably going to cost you substantially more than it is to feed it through a plant. Right. And you know, the funny part about it is, is a lot of things that we are asking guys to do to switch to actually cost less yeah. by a lot and do this. It will cost you less. In fact, the number one complaint I've had about singular is how the hell can you have these products so cheap? And on my response we is, well, more. I can go ahead and double it for you if it makes you feel better. Yeah. But, um, Literally what we are doing and asking guys to do that I work with and that you guys are starting to work with is to take a more practical, realistic approach. Let's fix the root cause and not just keep throwing band-aids on the symptoms. And so that's essentially my whole goal. That's what I do on my operation. That's what I ask you to do, Josh, and other guys I deal with. Um, let's get to the root cause and start going the right direction. Can we fix it overnight? No, there's also lots of things like in the meeting today, talking to a guy about, um, what was it? It was, uh, the other Joe, his question about oh, humic introduction, wasn't it? I'm trying. Mm. Well, okay. So I can't remember the exact, we went through. right. I the, can't, well, we, we did a podcast with Brad this, and it was completely unplanned. I pulled up a soil test and I, I airdropped to him and I said, Hey, would you look at this pretty representable farm for what I have? Pretty good dirt, raises good crops. I own it. I'm willing to invest in it. What do you think? And we just hit the record button. 
Right. We just hit the record button. We have a full episode going through. It's a big episode. It's an hour long. It's, it is going through every single nutrient or level, parts per million, pounds per acre of what I have in the field. Why is this low? Why is my pH low? It's correlation to hydrogen. Why is my, I don't have any sulfur? What happened to it? Well, we had previous data, data from five years before soil test. This is what was there. This is what happened. When that happened, we lost sulfur. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh. And it is a very, very detailed. It is very Advanced detailed. level agronomy type um, analysis. Yeah. Of the soil Food analysis. plotter guys, it's probably going to be over your head, but there was quite a bit of it that I was, it was over my head. And I was like, wait, stop. What's that mean? Right. I would suggest listening to it. And I saying is you can listen to this several times. I mean, I'm going to go back and listen to it because this is my field. I have, I have a whole page of notes for this coming corn crop of what do we need to address? What was a waste of money that I've been spending? What, what was a, what's a waste of money that I've been investing in or quote investing. I mean, it's an investment that didn't make any return. I didn't see any difference. Um, you know, yield wise by an application that I've done. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome and go through it. If you just get one thing, if you get one thing from Brad off of that, sweet. It's well, and then the option to just keep listening over and over and over. Yeah. You're going to catch things here and there. And then the other thing that it realizes is time goes on and we learn more and we analyze more and more technologies come out. These things may not hold as much merit as prior. Sure. And so it's an always adjusting thing. And he even mentions this is in his opinion. Everything today is in my opinion, which I very much hold that same stance is that what I've found in my research and my exploration of everybody's operations is that this is what I found. So take everything, not, I wouldn't, I don't want to say with a grain of salt, but not as law, but very strong opinions. Strong opinion based off of years of research. Right. Brad's um, been doing specific it. Specific to in this ep- in that episode, my soil test. Right. Based off my farming practices. So, you know, a guy across the river could be completely different. Well, not probably not completely, be similar, but there would be things that would be different if farming practices practices were different. Right. And tune in on other episodes. We'll cover more. Brad will be around. Um, we'll do more there. Um, we've got some other potential avenues that we can, uh, you know, have conversations one-on-one that even you guys can come on and speak with him direct with, um, and there'll be more information as we get that set up, but that is definitely in the works. Hopefully within the next month, we'll have something out like that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, been a wild day. We've covered a lot. It's been weird. I was driving in, we were both driving in. Ben's like, what do you think? I was like, dude, I got to plug my ears. My brain's run out. (laughs) (laughs) My brain is mush. Yeah. Um, my but gosh. no, we talked a lot about humix and fulvix, the carbon family. Um, Which all the humic, fulvic, both those products, as well as other products, micronutrients, macros are available through Singular. Yes. Con, I mean, you can get a hold of me. I'm a part of Singular. Ben is founder of Singular. Uh, so, you know. Right. It, right. Reach out. Yeah. We'll, reach we'll out. We'll put whether, you in contact with somebody who can, if not ourselves. Yeah. So it's direct ship to the farm. 
super handy. Yep. Um, you know, yeah. different ways you can apply different things. And, and the bit, the, the big hitters for me have been the humic, the dry humic acid spread on top and the fulvic acid on the planter in furrow and, uh, foliar sprayed with the sprayer or an airplane, depending on the stage of the crop, what crop it is. Right. So, uh, sea kelp, that was a fast, we didn't get to kelp. Kelp Not is an older technology that, well, humic is too. I mean, I guess basically into base the little bit of history in the humics and stuff. Um, they came out a lot in the eighties hmm. and, um, most publication or yeah, that I've read about humics and kelps come from the early eighties and late seventies. Wow. And then the technology has finally been perfected and people are talking more about it now. And it, it was that thing. It was it, referring back to what you said. It was advanced for its time because yes. technology was not there. And now we find a lot of technologies are that way. Yes. We're and that's why I keep at saying a point in technology now where, oh, wow, we need this, this and this. It was used at a previous time, but they probably they made they obviously didn't know it as much as we can today due to technology. And right. Right. And that's why I say everything's an opinion yeah. because eventually what we're speaking about today may not be entirely right. Now, every time we learn something, we tend to get a little bit closer, but it's just always an, an ever changing. Hybrids change, weather change, equipment changes. Yeah. Uh, Understanding of plant mechanisms, things like that change. Um, it's just a forever evolving industry i mean just like the medical industry oh don't eat eggs they're gonna kill you oh never mind eat all the eggs you want and great bro yeah. yeah 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 so it's the same way now it's exactly the same way and so you know edtas things around those that nature all this stuff it's just like okay well this is great but then we found out a few later so we got a bad side effect and um you know some of the new technologies nanotechnology fulvic acid oil you know some of the essential oil tech right now looks very, very promising. And I do think that they're very, very hold very strong merit moving forward. I don't foresee a whole lot of issues, but I'm sure we're going to find something eventually. Yeah. It always seems to work out that way, or maybe not necessarily find something that's wrong with it is maybe a better method. So, but technology is evolving fast. So fast, man. Ag is so exciting. Right. I mean, there's tech now where you can squeeze a leaf with a piece of, or with a, I don't know what it is, is a device and know the nutrient content in it. Right. Yeah. Like I knew they were what? coming, but I can't remember exactly what he said, how they with were. 80, what was it, 85 to 95% accuracy? Yes. You just squeeze the leaf yep. with this thing and it tells you based off the nutrient, the, the, the sap in the, in the leaf, what is in there. I mean, talk about what a powerful tool for, for instant application. You know, you're out there. Well, if you got to, if you call your call singular, call co-op, whatever. Hey, I need to, I need, I'm short on zinc. Okay. Well, we, we don't have any in stock. Let's, let's just say this is a typical, cause I, I run into this, mm -hmm. you know, with local co-op. Um, I need boron. We don't have any boron. We can have it here in three days. One of the things Brad said today, I'd rather an application be early than too late because if it's too late, it's like, as he said, this is a great, great uh, example. It's like baking a cookie. You bake a cookie and leave the baking soda out. What's going to happen? You got a crummy cookie. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Well, and a lot of that... It might actually be very crumbly if you leave the baking soda out. To clarify, um, is the difference... He was speaking into the difference between tissue analysis and sap analysis. Yeah. And so if you're using your body, for example, tissue analysis is like taking a chunk of your skin out, extracting all the blood out of it, and then telling you what's in the tissue itself. A sap analysis is basically pulling your blood and seeing what nutrition and everything is being carried and hasn't been put into the tissue yet. And so you're looking seven to 10 days ahead with the sap. So by the time you're freight and they get the sample back, the you're about back. right yeah. on-ish. There's some error in that because we had that issue last year. We took a hybrid approach. Um, but you're looking forward with sap. Tissues, you're looking backwards. If you trend line, you can beat this. In my opinion, you can beat it when you're utilizing the hybrid type sample system we used, utilizing basically sampling style like a sap, pulling your uppermost developed leaf and your lower, most lower viable leaf. So we can tell what nutrients are moving where, and then we use it on a trend line so we can see where things are going prior to them actually getting there. Um, saps. I think the technology is great. I do believe that there's still some kinks to be worked out. We ran into that with you. We sent them in. I pulled them back up. I couldn't make sense of them. I sent them to August, which is another big sap guy. And uh, he read them. He said they're messed up. So we redid them, right? Yeah. Came back, same crap over again. And so there's there's a little bit of... Uh, error in the sap analysis you're relying on a lot of things they have to One, be shipped the on ice place it has to be shipped right it has to be shipped quickly yes it can't get hot yep it once it gets to the lab does it get open quick enough yes uh you know and it has to be open to dry out yep i mean there's a lot Do of factors get... that aren't in our control that we're basing you know investment applications off of right and then did the soil splash up on there is there you know, hard minerals. If you're an irrigator and you're applying irrigation water, you have hard minerals on that. You know, all these other things fall into the um, error side of it. Now, given, I think the technology is great. Yeah. I'm going to say that up front. Brad's had great luck with SAP. Us a little less, but we kind of, you know, like we were on press for time. We're like, forget I'm it, new, just pull I'm a tissue. It. Yeah, yeah, I'm new to it. So we took, you know, the same testing style, pulled the most upper... Um, new leaf, developed leaf, collared leaf on corn, beans, would be a fully developed trifoliate. Um, and the lowest healthy. Lowest viable. Viable leaf. Yes. Yeah. And um, we did that with the tissue, and then we actually got results that were fairly, well, they weren't fairly. They were very representative, I felt, to what we were actually seeing. So that helped. The reason we do the upper and the lower is due to the fact that immobile and mobile nutrients within a plant, which are far different than what's in a soil. Let's just take nitrogen, for example. We spoke about this today. Nitrogen uptake or nitrogen deficiency using a standard test, just pulling the uppermost developed leaf, will show you only one side of this mob mobility of nitrogen. You Typically, the first sign of nitrogen, you're running out of nitrogen, is a jump a spike in that upper leaf not a drop once you have the drop you're already way behind you are totally screwed so that's the problem you pull a tissue sample 
just the most, most upper developed leaf. You look at the analysis, we're sitting way above average. We're in good shape on nitrogen. If you pulled the lower and it's down extremely low in nitrogen, you are out. You're completely out of nitrogen. Now we have to apply nitrogen. You have to synthesize it. You have to get all this stuff in the plant and plant By available form. It gets break, yeah, you're done. Out. You already missed it. You're yeah. way past. That's why we do that. And you can't put enough foliar in on to compensate for a firing plant. You're you can't a cannibalizing plant. You can't get it in the soil, get it converted, get it up the plant and synthesized in enough time to stop your yield drop. That would be yet another wasted application. Yes. Dollars that won't make you any yeah. money. Once you see that, you're already done. Yeah. Um, do you totally give up on the crop? No, but that at that point, you're you're so far behind the ball. Let's go ahead and revisit. Save what we can. Right. If you're at VT, you know, tassel, and we're seeing this firing going on, you're basically in just ROI recovery at that point. You're not pushing yield higher. You're just trying to sustain your loss. So... Yeah that's the reason we do that. That's why we pull upper and lower sap gives you a little more headway. Um, and, uh, you know, moving forward, we're going to keep developing in that, but that's, that's basically in a nutshell what that is. So if I remember right, we had a question about, uh, drought proofing, right? Or farming in a drought. Yeah. Jackson wheat. The man wheat? that's a legend. Yes, Jackson Wheat from uh, Oklahoma, Southern Oklahoma. Dude's okay. a legend, man. I'm telling you, you're going to meet him. He's, he's great. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Awesome. Um, Jackson asked, how do we drought proof uh, a crop slash food plot? Because he's raising some grain. This is primarily wildlife based. Right. But, but grain and green. And he's also, the green is also for cattle grazing. He does a lot of, quite a bit of cattle grazing on his place. I believe some rotational grazing. So um, mostly for forage purpose. Forage production and the grain is for, um, honestly, it's for but deer. But there is grain. During the winter. Yep. Okay. Got yeah. It. So how do we drought proof forage as well? So we're talking cereals planted in the, in the fall, clovers, brassicas, things of that right, nature right and then from spring through summer the grain soybeans and corn maybe it's a little milo for some bird upland birds things like that we'll get the mm -hmm. western hunting guys um but i mean any of these things then same program protocol for row crop right cattle dairy chickens i don't know about chickens I don't know. yeah I drought yeah. stress chicken <laughs> yeah <laughs> or drought drought stress uh um, mitigate. Right. Okay. So drought. I think everybody knows what we're talking about right now. Ben's the a vast pro majority. when it comes to drought because, dude, it's, it hasn't rained where he's at in like two years. Yeah, it's pretty dry. Legit. It's, <laughs> it's pretty dry. so dry. Um, okay. So drought. Um, I think first off, I would look towards your salts. That's the first thing. Salts that are naturally in your soil. If a guy's irrigating, salt in your water. And if you don't know this, you should. Jackson I would highly suggest. Land. Right. Yeah. But in general, for everybody sure. listening, if you're an irrigator, get your water checked. Um, you would be surprised what's in there. Some people don't even know they carry in salt. I've seen people burn plants and not know why, and it's due to the irrigation water is so salty or whatever else could be in there. 
So, but typically when you're along that line, they figure it out like, holy crap, pivot rotted down in five years, what happened? But they know this stuff, but uh, get your water checked, know your soil, sodium base saturation, you know, salts there. Um, there's things we can do to mitigate this salt, but essentially in a nutshell, a root is supposed to be saltier than the soil around it. The closer that this selenium get or salinity gets to evil or equal, you have to give me a sec here today. I've been talking so dang Soon much. As your selenium is evil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dumb been, down terms here. Dumb down. I'm falling behind. We've been talking for nine hours <laughs> about soil and uh -huh, plants right. and animals. Yeah, all day. But um, the we closer we talk about selenium, by the way. Yeah, selenium is a very important mineral that people don't look at. But um, the salt, once the levels get close, a plant has to work excessively hard to pull that water in. Once it inverts, it pulls water out the other way, and it will essentially mummify a plant. In anhydrous applications, particularly where guys are strip-tilling high amounts of fertility, you see this, and it's known as root burn. But you can root burn yourself in drought without fertilizing if your salts are too high. So that's a major factor when it comes to that. Now, mitigating salt, we can look to humic acids, fulvic acids, you know, carbon compounds to essentially chelate the salt and capture it and not have a plant have to fight for water because that's essentially what happens. It starts fighting to pull that water in, and a plant is not made to do that. So that's where the problem runs in. So humic acids in strip, which he is in cover crop, so he's drilling dry humic or dry humate. You can go that direction. Uh, over the top foliar applications, we were talking with Brad just today. Super important to make sure that you pull, you're pulling some soil tests so you know where you're at. We're talking a good one for the outdoor far, ag. I mean, make sure you're using a reputable lab. Outdoors guys, make sure you're using a reputable lab. Um, Servitech is the one I've been in. Did you use Servitech? Yeah, we've been using Midwest too. We're kind of just labs. Um, you know, some don't on the on the on the food plot guys. Don't send it in to the don't don't get the little dipstick test that you get off Amazon. Don't send it in to. I don't know of any outdoor company that actually has a good soil test. There is one. Reach out to me. I would love to know if you exist out there. It's like this right call out in space. there. <laughs> relatively cheap to get. Um, my soil test thing's 25 bucks. 25 that's to 30 for a, bucks. That's for a fully broke down one. Yes, and that, I'm not actually, and I even tell Josh this, that I don't believe that testing every year is that it doesn't pay. useful. It doesn't. So you do one. But the initial testing tells us It tells where us where you're, you're at. at. What's yeah. your weak points, your high points. Yeah, exactly. Where you're out of balance. Especially your salts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, do that, then it gives you an idea where to start to fix problems. All your dry fertilizer has salt. Your map well, about your everything has salt. Yeah, about really. everything. But I mean, I mean, even Brad made a comment today. Did you hear about talking about adding salt? And he said in his Amish communities and his organic guys having to actually add salt. And the reason why is they're not adding salty fertilizer in an artificial form. So they're actually becoming deficient in certain areas where the salt's already low in the soil. Wow. 
So that was the point. I don't know if he caught that, I but did I not did not catch that. But, okay. So that's, that's where it comes from. The salt is necessary. A plant has to have salt. The salt in the root actually helps draw water in. So it is a necessary it's element. It's like a magnet for what exactly. the plant needs. Exactly. But it gets out of control ex extremely fast. Yeah. Manure. Manure is salt. very, very, very salty. Um, unfortunately, dairy manure is, is really high in salt. Um, Humic acid is a great, great thing. It's for a great that. salt mitigator. It, it, it is salt just goes, absorbs right into it. Yeah, it is a sponge. So that's something a guy can do. It holds its weight 20 times its weight in water. Um, it will essentially increase your the soil's holding capacity for water in general. We see this a lot in western Kansas on irrigation farms. Um, it's definitely something I would consider putting in a seed slice or in that zone at least yeah, if you're furrow. looking for water mitigation. But get it close to that. On top, it still does the same thing. It captures nitrogen gas off and things like that. So there's other benefits to putting it on a surface beyond just water retention. But um, yeah, that's a great product for that. Fulvic acid can be excreted through the roots. If For a quick breakdown of what that is, is a plant sweats through its root system, essentially. And so any excess carbohydrates or any, you know, carbon compounds that are taken up will go ahead and basically sweat through the root and uh, it can take uh, uh, the salts around the root hairs and actually leach them away a little bit and giving us a little bit better water uptake. So that's another thing. I mean, me and Brad were just talking about that today on the viability of that. And that's something that we both feel fairly strong that could actually work. So that's a possibility. Um, what else do we cover? Liquid humic, that's more of an application ease. It's fairly expensive to do compared to the other forms. Um, Brad likes liquid humic a little more than I tend to. It's super black. It's as black as black gets. Um, it's a little bit thicker. Start it's kind of like with some strainer issues if you don't know how to handle it right. Yes, it, it does not blend with everything. So don't go out throwing it in everything. It has it's very sensitive pH. I think six five. It won't blend below that. Um, Fulvic acid blends with virtually everything. I haven't seen it not blend. Doesn't mean it will, but I have not seen it. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're already running a really hot uh, chemical. Yeah. So fulvic will heat it yeah. even more. It heats it up. So d don't just, and, and don't, this, this is not something where a little's good, a lot's better. I mean, it's, yeah, you want to follow the rate. Right. You know, fulvic the, can make it a lot hotter, especially if nutrition is involved. Yeah. Um, in which it's a very powerful tool to be used properly. Yes. And a side thing, you know, fulvic acid is a microbial feed. It is the main carbon in that chain. So Out it's of the, the 12 carbon or 12 molecules. Exactly. It is the smallest molecule. It is the only fully soluble molecule. And it is the, uh, um, molecule that microbials typically feed on the most. Now they'll feed in humics and stuff like that, but not to the same extent. It has to be broke down. Dry humic spread on top goes, moves into your soil structure. And we've talked about compaction of soil. Um, your, your soil, so much, so much of, of farmland particularly has been just completely destroyed over the years, whether it's, it's constant, constant tillage, um, various things, weight of water, flooding, erosion, things of that nature. So you're taking 
you're taking what should be more of a porous soil and you're really it's it becomes more like plates stacked on top of each other right. nutrients can't go through bad things can't be flushed out of the soil out of the soil profile you don't have air um the carbon is and, and i've said it before it's like a home creates the home for the microbes fulvic acid is the food for microbes um to live in if you don't have enough homes and you have too many microbes you go anaerobic um is that right would you agree um, with that? Let's think into that for a second. I mean, I, I was, I mean, I was thinking about it. The problem was this last year with my corn on the flooded stuff, we didn't have enough air in the ground. Yeah. So microbes will use oxygen Yeah, that you need oxygen in the soil. Typically most times the biggest issue, and then even on drought tolerance, this is going to sound stupid, but hear me out. Um, oxygen in a soil will actually increase drought tolerance because the microbial activity can be higher. The reason this is important is because microbes act as essentially an anti-inflammatory for the root system under stress. So the first thing that happens when a plant goes under drought stress, heat stress is shut down and excrete into the root hairs. Root hair actually looks like a straw on the end and it will form a ethyl gas bubble at the end of this straw and uh, it won't absorb water. And that is essentially inflammatory reaction of the plant to shut down and block itself up. Same thing as if you get injured, you clot up and then you swell up. And that's essentially to block that opening up from outside infections and other things like that. Um, in a plant, this is counterproductive, just like your own inflammation can kill you too if it gets out of control. But um, uh the mitigation for this, the, essentially the way to get rid of this is the bacteria or the, the biology in the soil will secrete compounds to dissolve this ethyl gas off and start the system back up. And so it sounds dumb. If the plant goes into drought, the first thing it does is shut its root system down. But essentially, yeah, that's what it kind of does. Mm -hmm. And so soil biology, soil health will mitigate drought conditions just as well, which all carbon products, humix, fulvix, things like that, support that. You can get into sweeteners and other things that do the same. Um, cover cropping, which he's using multi-species food plots in yeah. his deal, but cover cropping in the other side also helps with this as well. But um, yeah, that's what yeah, I would... grazing programs. So. Right, right. The, bio the biology component is key, which we mentioned in the show before. Um Soil health is key because biology is key to doing everything else. So you start there and then everything else we can screw with later. But you guys, that's the first thing that we've, I preached to you guys. I don't bring you all the advanced technologies, you know, Josh and Joe and, and the other guys I work with that um, I don't bring you the more advanced technologies because until we fix our other systems, it's very difficult to influence a plant beyond what the biology will support. So when it comes to drought resistance, that is a, Big factor, huge factor. Healthy soil will support a plant far longer than um, um, unhealthy. unhealthy soil. Yeah. Side note, today Brad was talking about dipping biologicals into transplant plants. Hmm. Essentially, he works in produce a lot. And they were just, just last, uh, it wasn't too long ago, were transplanting watermelons. And they were dipping these things in a biological I can't remember the product name at the moment. Coding. Well, it was a liquid. Yeah. Dip it in, submerse it, and go ahead and essentially um, 
inoculate this root system with this biological blend. Now, given I'm not going to promote any bugs in a jug products, I don't believe in those things necessarily, but this is a general bath and a, uh, uh, catalyst for microbials. So that being said, I have seen that drastically reduced planting shock, transplanting shock, which, okay, big deal. We plant seed, but here's the side fact of that. I've seen biological products and teas and other things like this in trial studies be chopped off at the crown, take them into a show versus the test against it and stick them up on the wall side by side. And the one that's treated with high biology and has real healthy soil does not wilt down hardly at all compared to the one that has, is the control hmm. just wilts away to nothing and just a matter of, you know, an hour or two. And so the biology is in the system operating it and keeping it even functioning with no root system at all. So, I mean, that's just another point, but uh, basically biology, carbon, soil health, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about planting populations, but that's another one a guy needs to consider um, and try not to uh, yeah. get too far ahead. More doesn't mean more, more yield. Right. <laughs> yeah, if it don't rain, you're more. not raising the bushels anyway. You're just costing yourself. But guys think, okay, I'm going to fall off by not putting enough out. I'm going to cost myself potential. Mm, not necessarily the case. The potential for plants is far wider range of bushel per thousand than most people consider. If you're planting in the six range to nine range bushels per thousand, you're already too high for That's sure. Thousand. Six yes. That, so if you're planting, if you're planting ten thousand or twenty, let's say twenty thousand kernels of corn. Um, you should be achieving 180, right. 200 bushel corn. When a guy comes to me at six or seven, that's ridiculous. What the hell are you doing? Bushels per thousand. Yes. That's yeah. you're way too high. Way too high. It's a very inefficient plant. Yes. That's like saying I'm going to put 400 pounds in on and I'm going to target 175 bushel corn. Like what the f are you doing? You know? And so that's, that's the point. But, um, you know, try not to get carried away with that. That's in corn. Beans is somewhat similar. We see actually plant development being hindered by high populations, but we'll talk about that some other time, unless we already talked about it, but I don't remember. But uh, anyway, we did talk a little bit about planting. Okay. So, but we're starting to run out of time, so I won't try mm -hmm. to dive into that, but those, those few things. So carbon sources, um, you know, have great water retention, help Watch with salts. salts, Watch your salts that you're applying. Um, populations and then promoting biology so that would be my tips and at the end of the day if it doesn't rain yeah there's and, only so much we can do right and for the irrigators out there just a quick tip don't apply too much water too fast it will actually make the problem far worse because then the plant becomes reliant on a lot of water right but no typically what happens is oxygen levels drop and mm -hmm. then root development becomes far shallower i see and Another deal is when corn's planted, it's usually cold and roots won't develop in cold soil very well, and it will hinder drought tolerance through the season. So lots and lots of water early is very destructive. Now, pre-water, different years story. we've had where we had a drier spring, we actually had better corn. Right. 2021, best corn right. we have ever raised. We had a lot less water than what we, quote, needed to raise a good crop. Right. And blew my mind. Oxygen Drove our roots deep. Oxygen levels drop. That's the biggest factor. 
beyond temperature that early. It just, we see it in dry land yields, you know, early planted corn, dry land, early planted grain sorghum or milo tends to have far less drought tolerance because the root systems can't develop into deep profiles effectively and the moisture will outrun the, uh, uh, the root itself. So irrigation, be very, very, very careful on early season watering. Now, if you are worried about a soil profile, do it before you plant pre-water. Mm. Don't be applying a bunch of water on a young seedling, but, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of tidbit in irrigation. We need to cover that some other time. I know a bunch of guys really are interested in irrigation, but, uh, yeah. Went over a lot. What a day, man. Yeah. What a day. What a day. Holy cow. So that's a little summary on humic, a little summary on fulvic, some drought, uh, well, drought guarding. Right. Uh, that's know? our own form. That's right. That's, that's a, that's a farmer term right there on corn. Um, Anyway, so guys, that's that's really a lot of information. It's a preview. It's introduction to singular. We have access to the high quality carbons in humic form, fulvic as well, the biology feeders. That's something that we're pretty stoked about. It's really taking the power, giving the far, the power back to the farmer to make decisions that best uh, economically affect him and his legacy. So. Yeah, with that, I uh, appreciate you guys. Rate the podcast if you would. Share it if you like it. Um, if you don't like it, let us know what you don't like about it, and we'll either change it or we'll keep going. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> <laughs> It's really right. take or leave it or uh, effect. We're not out here to make everybody happy. We're just out here to share results that we have seen on our own farms, from our own trials, and just bring you what works, what doesn't work, and uh, tips that you can really implement anywhere. Anything else, man? I think that about covers it for today. I'm about all talked out. Um, We're coming up on nine and a half, something Nine and a half hours of biology talk. (laughs) So guys, in this next episode, uh, Brad uh, Forkner comes on. Awesome stuff. Yep. Got a couple episodes with him. Goes pretty deep, but that's okay. You can re-listen. I'm going to be re-listening to this because we're both students. And we're yeah. all students. Brad's still a student. Actually, don't even talk that much. No, Brad does at least 90% of the talking, which yep. is great because he has at least 90% of the knowledge in the room. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, guys, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Way to Farm Podcast signing off. Next time, Brad Forkner. Ben, it's been real, man. Yep, absolutely. I'll catch right. you guys later. See you guys. <laughs>